0: Welcome to One Pat Podcast, episode three sixty-three. What? I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Uh the man eating is Tim Spence. Yep. <laughs> and we also got Matt Lawrence here.
1: It is I. Um. <sighs> so that's doing? it. Stalled, <laughs> right, sounded, stalled right out. It
2: sounds so upset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how you guys doing though? you doing good? Alright, yeah. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good day. It's a good day for FromSoft fans.
0: Oh, although you're speaking of yesterday because the video released yesterday.
2: Yeah, time zones are weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Some of the top stories this week include Netflix coming to Android uh, with their video games for paying subscribers. Uh, Nintendo Switch sales climbed to 93 million, but the company warns of continued uncertainty. GTA and EA executives are big believers in NFTs. We've been hearing a lot about these NFTs uh, recently. I think we covered a story last week as well about Ubisoft getting into uh, blockchain uh, gaming. And then finally, Marvel's Avengers failed to live up to expectations, um, but Square Enix will keep making live service games. So that's what's coming up. And we're going to start off. What's new, Matt? What's new with you?
1: Uh, Still existing in the Ubisoft land uh i've been doing a lot of well not a lot of but well, i hesitate to say a lot of because this game keeps getting bigger every time i go to play it so i don't know what what a lot of it is but in terms of the amount of time i play a game in a week i spend a fair bit of my time playing assassin's creed odyssey uh that game is too big it's uh it's it's a little bit crazy and some of the quests are like meandering and uh the ones that i'm doing are meandering and are taking me for uh for a bit of a loop so i tried to go and kill a like a minotaur or minotaur whatever both pronunciations are used in the game and i basically get presented i mean this is slight spoilers but it's a complete side thing i get presented with a set of quests so this kid's like okay you got to go find this bandit guy you got to go find my like caretaker and you got to go find this other guy and so i do these three quests, which take quite a while in their own right. And then it says, OK, you know, now you're able to go and like take on the, the Minotaur. So, like, go do that. And I go to go do that and I jump down the labyrinth and it warns me, hey, your, your enemy's four levels ahead of you, which which he'll just kick my ass because he's already going to be a boss. So I have never seen him, but uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll like come back later. There was other quests in the region. The other quests in the region are now too low a level for me in terms of I'm level 36. I think at the time they're level 34, and I'm trying to level up expediently. So I, because like these other three quests have taken me up a couple of levels. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll go do some of the story since I'm, you know, sort of ready for that. And I noticed something interesting. So on this uh, Minotaur Island, which is down in the south, those quests were level 34. I went up, and I'm at a certain part in the story, so I go and I do that part, and the quests, or the quests of the story, like the story quests, they level me up, and the quests that are down in the the, uh, Minotaur Island are now level 35, and so I'm realizing that some of the quests are leveling, but they're leveling, I suppose, based upon their difficulty, or maybe like the difficulty of their region, since some regions are rated for higher levels and some for lower, obviously, so... There's something weird going on there, uh, which is a little annoying. I will say this is that I don't know whether the conversation about how, you know, Ubisoft games could just be completed in a standard 15 hours or something by just rushing the story. Um, I don't know whether that conversation happened before or after Odyssey. If it was before Odyssey, I'm still getting stuck consistently I'm still getting to a point where it's like, oh, I can't continue, and then and and can't continue. In in other words, like like the mm. creature or whatever it is is like really, really gonna kick my ass, and so I'm kind of at like that point where like I like go to go do the the minotaur. Oh, I can't because I like did the quests around it. Now the quest to kill the minotaur or go into the labyrinth or whatever it is. It's too high a level, so I'll go do something else, and I go do something else and start that quest string, like a story in this case. Oh, I hit a point in the story where I can't proceed because it's a level or two ahead of me, so it's like, okay, so then I got to go back, do whatever I want, the Minotaur or this and that. So it's... This game is really big, and it's now starting to uh, linger, which is not great, to be honest. Um, I kind of had the same problem with Watch Dogs Legion as well, where... I've kind of experienced the gameplay loop, and so I kind of just want to, like, beat it. <laughs> like, to, to be honest, like, I kind of want to beat the story, get it done with. And Watch Dogs Legion was a little less of a contender. Like, it wasn't as long of a game. But Watch Dogs Legion kind of was like, go into this building and hack. Go into this building and hack. Go into this building and hack. Now go into this building and hack. Uh, this game is very much like go here, do some quests. Okay, like you're, you know, you've kind of leveled out of this region. Go to the next region, do some quests. Okay, now you've, you know, go to the next region. And I realize that's sort of an RPG thing, but um, this game is very big. I'm like forty, I think it's like approaching fifty hours of gameplay into this thing, and I'm not rushing the story, but like I'd certainly like to do it now. <laughs> I can't, I can't just like go for the story and keep going until the end, uh, or at least like not at this point. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, It's it's kind of overstaying its welcome a little bit with me. And I was talking to Ryan about this is like, Ryan, you love this game. And -hmm. I was like, you know, this game is great for that is if this was like an Oblivion game, right? Or another Elder Scrolls game or a Fallout game, you know, I'd be all over this. Like, I'll do every single quest. I don't care how quick I level up. I'll do quests that are above my level if I can, and I'll force myself through them. I'll do quests below my level if I can, and I won't level up as quickly because I obviously I'm getting less experience in relation to my level for those. Like, this world is really good. I have no complaints in that regard. And this world is definitely filled with stuff if you really like this world, if you really like the world of Odyssey and whatever. It's just the fact that it's me. It's like now it's starting to like meander and to in my opinion, sort of overstay its welcome. And I mean, I'm going to can I do a story spoiler? I think I have in the past, right? Um, sure. I I'm at the Olympics. I'm going to be trying to be like semi vague. I'm at the Olympics. Ryan, how close am I to finishing this game? I don't know anymore. I thought you were <laughs> God further along no see it's Uh. every time it's every time time I check in you're like I think I was further along and then I do I like do a whole bunch like I do a a good like play session or two of which I'm mixing side stuff and story stuff and then I ask you're like well I thought you were a little further like I remember the one time you were like well once you meet your mother like you should be okay like you should be like you should be like you know well on your way to the end then I meet her and I'm like hey guys like I met her and you're like well are you in Sparta yet and I'm like no and you're like, oh. It's like fucking Jesus. So I go to Sparta, and then I'm like, "Hey, I did this in Sparta." And you're like, "Well, did you do these three things?" Yeah, I'm like, "No." And You're like, "Oh, fuck!" Like it doesn't like this. This game doesn't end. Like this game. This game is long. This game is very long. It feels like a. It feels like a massive journey. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's. I don't know. It's just start to overstay its welcome a little bit. And then yeah. other other than that, hmm. Who was? Were you gonna say something, to Ryan? Oh, well, you just said that
0: you were approaching 50 hours. Just for comparison, I had 170 hours in that game. Oh, God.
2: Yeah, well, I was going to say, a friend, of mine, a friend of mine was like, the more that these games go on, the longer playtime I have for them and the less percentage completion I have. <laughs> yeah. Like, Origins, 100% complete, took like 89 hours. Odyssey, 58% complete in 120 hours. <laughs> And then, like fucking, what's it called? Uh, Valhalla. Thirty wow. percent complete. One hundred and twelve hours, or one hundred and eighty hours, or something like that. It's nuts.
1: I like. I fully acknowledge and appreciate them putting all this effort in for people that really want to exist in this RPG world they've built. Because this is definitely less classic AC and more traditional RPG, if you will, modern RPG, modern open world game. Lots of different, lots of uh, effort been put into the world and all that stuff. Like that's all great. But there comes a point where it's like, okay, like, hey, like, I've, like, I've sort of played Odyssey. And I was talking to you, Ryan, too. I was saying, like, if I was a kid, I'd be all over this because, you know, I'm not not like buying each new game. Not that I'm buying every new game now either, but like, but now it's like, I'd kind of like the (laughs) checkmark. Like, I've kind of like the checkmark so I could move on. But now, because I would love to do the DLC, but I'll be playing this damn thing the whole year, like easily the whole year, because I've been already playing it. I want to say for two or three months and like there, if I'm – like there's a lot of the map I haven't done yet. New quests keep popping up in the old sections. There's a bunch of sort of like repeatable stuff that you could do for like this different currency or, or a psyllium or, a or something. And whatever, like I mean that stuff's kind of on the side. I would probably wouldn't do too much of that. But if I were to 100% this thing plus do all the DLCs and let's just say 100% those, for sure I would, say, I would estimate a good 10 months. At least. And that's ignoring everything else. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, I have been playing a little bit of Far Cry 6, though. So, I've been kind of dividing my time between the two. And I've been doing a little bit of Far Cry 6. Far Cry 6 is, is fun. Uh, lots of really stupid moments. Classic Far Cry. Did the Danny Trail mission. Danny Trail mission was not supposed to come out yet. They accidentally released <laughs> it early because it was broken as hell. Like it broke once. We had to restart it. And then we it, it, he like he said, OK, you got to do this next part of this mission. So I like hop on his bike like he tells me to. And then he just like ends the mission, which was really weird. So cl- <laughs> clearly in a beta state. So whatever. So that's coming out later. I think it's next month or something. But anyway, I'll, I'll look forward to that in the future because it was pretty funny from what I saw so far. And it'll be nice to see it like actually finished. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm enjoying my time with Far Cry 6, taking my time. I think I did the same thing with Far Cry 5 and New Dawn as well. Um, so that, so that, that, that's actually pretty fun. And then, <laughs> strangely, in the multiplayer sphere, we've been playing the crap out of uh, PGA Tour 2- 2K21. What a strange thing, eh? <laughs> that's so strange. Yeah, we're all getting, we all got the pro controls going and we're all like trying to Trying to make our way through the, I want to see the pro circuit, but I'm I'm furthest from that. I've noticed a trend now too. So as I get more tired, so like the the swing on, on pro controls and pro difficulty, the swing has timing and the swing has all this like a certain amount of power and direction and all this stuff. And I noticed that the first thing that goes is my pacing. So I always crank it over to the left or right because my pacing is wrong. And so the ball goes left or right. And then the next thing that goes as I get tired is the putting. I just can't putt. I can't, like, calculate where the ball is going to go in my head, and so I always just, like, go, like, super, like, every finger, every friggin' hole is, like, a bogey or double bogey. So, um, yeah, we've played it enough for me to realize patterns in my own, like, fatigue level based on PGA Tour. (laughs) But uh, it's fun, though. Like, I, I used to play Lynx back in the day, like, Lynx 04, I think back on the original Xbox. I used to play that. I used to play the living crap out of that. And then I played Rory McIlroy PGA Tour on EA Access years ago <laughs> on Xbox One. So, I mean, I, I'm i used to this type of gameplay, which is which is cool. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it's a good bit of fun. Uh, and our, our buddy Wes is getting into it. Like, he's he's putting some hours in. He's, he's like, oh, open up the front of your, your, like, putter, or open up the front of your, like, your, you know, your 9 iron or whatever. And I'm like, Wes, like, I don't I don't know, man, like <laughs> I'm yeah. just going to hit the ball out of the bunker here or whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's all in good fun. I, I don't know what it is. It's weird. Like these it's it's like I, I would never buy a sports game. But when they give it to us free on PS Plus, which this was when they give it to us free on PS Plus, it's like super fun. It's just it's just like something. I guess it's the multiplayer, right? Like I wouldn't be these guys like I, I know Marty and and Wes uh, are going in and doing like the PGA Tour, like career mode. I haven't done that, and I don't think I don't really see myself doing that. But in terms mm-hmm. of something multiplayer, like it's the golf metaverse for me right now. So yeah, it's <laughs> been pretty fun. So, but no, that's no,
0: no, that's not the golf metaverse.
1: What are you talking about? They they no, talk they no. talk, You can go out there. They got the FedEx, the little FedEx trucks, and mm-hmm. they got all the like all the different golfer or all the different uh, courses that you can even go to Newfoundland. It, it's great. But uh, yeah, that that's that is what I've been playing. I've actually uh, I've been
2: thinking about recently getting into um, games that I haven't played before, like very much, like uh, different genres. Like Forza Horizon Five just came out, and I've been thinking about because it's on Game Pass. So I've been thinking about booting that up and just trying it out because I have a lot of friends who are really into Forza Horizon. I'm downloading right now. Yeah, and um, and just because you were mentioning golf, Matt. Like I remember the one time that. We were hanging out and we just booted up Rory McIlroy and like it was way more engaging than I thought it was gonna be. Oh yeah! And I never really liked golf games, like even Mario Golf, which is very arcadey when it comes to like a golf game, never really interested me that much. But now I I like sit here, and I look at Rory McIlroy sitting on my shelf, and I'm like, I should probably play through that soon. Like it was just weirdly fun. And especially if you're, like, playing with friends online, like, and I, I can imagine, you know, you make some, like, you miss some, like, really easy putt, and everyone's just like, ah, you fucking suck, and just, like, <laughs> I don't know, just, like, you know, having a good time, having a couple of drinks,
1: hitting the links, you know? There's definitely a lot of, like, people where we're <laughs> where off the tee or whatever, and you're, oh, fuck, I drilled her out in the woods, like... <laughs> <laughs> or someone will be like fuck i'm in the weeds like way out the fucking weeds or i got like stuck behind a warehouse and i'm like i'm gonna find a fucking warehouse here like i'm like way out there like way out of, way out way out what should have been like out of bounds yeah that seems that's too much <laughs> you rolls do what too much it rolls way too much I've never can, seen a ball roll
0: so much in actual golf.
1: You can put roll on. You can put back, back like uh That's not what I'm talking about. I'm it. talking
0: about when the ball lands, it freaking rolls for miles.
1: Yeah, but you can put like a spin on it so that when it lands there's, it there's like no has a physics harder hit in this goddamn and game. And it has a harder hit. What are you talking about? Come on now. This is PGA tour. <laughs> it rolls in the in the sand traps. Yeah.
0: It lands into the sand, which would indent into the sand, and then it rolls. <laughs> Don't give me any of that. Don't give me it, that. It
1: depends on the it depends on the slope.
0: No, no, no.
1: Get your wedge out. <laughs> and you gotta chip it out of there or whatever. No, the game's a bastard. Oh. <laughs> well, wait a second here. On the last one, what are you playing on, Ryan? Are you playing on pro? I did try pro. I went
0: back down to what amateur
1: okay because like the game says like you can't match with other players like you can play like, private matches but mm-hmm. you can't match with other players unless you do pro and so i was like all right well this will just be the standard then and i'll just force myself to learn it and learn it i am <laughs> <laughs> all right
2: that's uh, tim what are you up to um yeah uh i've honestly been um just because my my birthday is tomorrow so i didn't uh stream well this week i um I did a couple of shorter streams uh, on Monday, Tuesday, but then I've been taking the rest of the week off because Kayla also took the week off from work, so we've just kind of been enjoying some time. Um, but that being said, I, I the streams I did do, we played some Breath of the Wild um, just to kind of have some uh, some some low key days and just adventure around. And I've been spending a lot of time going into like all the all the nooks and crannies of of these areas that I never really explored before, and I'm just like keeping an eye out for Koroks everywhere and I'm just like take really taking my time with it and like fighting every enemy I come across and trying to solve lots of like little puzzles and just having fun with like the the bomb launching and stuff like that um it's been it's been really good I finally got around to doing one of the Divine Beasts so we did the uh, the Gerudo one and uh I'm realizing how many side quests um that I was like I was like, oh, I'm going to go here and I'm going like, to start this. That kind of thing. Um, how many aren't actually available uh, when you don't go to Kakariko and talk to Impa? Because there are certain quests that rely on you having certain functionality with the Sheikah Slate, like taking pictures or stuff like that, that you don't mm-hmm. have right off the bat. And I have heard slash seen that there is a Um, like, a different cutscene, I think, with Impa. If you go see her for the first time, but you've already beaten all four Divine Beasts, she, like, does something different. And I've never done that before, so that's what I'm trying to do this time. So I'm taking a really long time (laughs) to get around to doing that, unfortunately, Um, which means I can't go and upgrade any of the runes that I already have because the labs and stuff, people are like... um, they, like, see you have the Sheikah Slate, and like, oh, you should go talk to Impa. Like, she's our leader. She'll tell you what to do. And then you don't get that functionality until after you talk to her. So it's kind of funny. That I'm, like, having these conversations with NPCs that I otherwise wouldn't have known you can even have because um, the default is just to, like, go to Kakariko go right away, talk to Impa. She tells you what you need to do. You get your, like, main quest updates, and then you start exploring around. Um, but, yeah, like, <clears throat> there's one um, pretty well-known... Side quest in the uh, in the desert area where this guy thinks that Link because you're dressed up in like the Gerudo outfit, so he's like he everybody thinks that he's a girl, and um, he thinks that Link is like into him or whatever. So you see that he has these like boots that let you run through the sand at normal speed, and uh, so you can go to him and be like, I want those, and he's like, Oh well, if you do something for me, then I can I can. Do something for you kind of thing. So he's like going to the mountains and take a picture of this, you know, thing that's like mysteriously hidden in the mountains and no one's ever found it. And if you do that for me, then I'll like give you these. Um, and I was like running all around the desert. I was like, where the hell is this guy? Like, I swear he was here. And then I realized, like, I don't have the camera functionality on this on the Shiga Slate because I haven't gotten it fixed yet, which means... I can't, like, that, that NPC doesn't even spawn because I, I can't, I can't do that quest without having that functionality. So I'm actually like <laughs> missing out on a lot of stuff that I was like looking forward to doing. But, uh, I'll just have to go back and do it all later. But aside from that, it's like, it's still really fun. That's, um, what I've been doing the majority of this week. Um, but yeah, I've been, it's weird. I've been for like the first time in a long time, I've been a little too busy to, play games a lot because Kayla and I have been going out doing things and like prepping for the move and stuff so we've uh we've been busy but yeah it's it's uh it's it's been good I've just spent a lot of time in the last day as well just like watching the elden ring gameplay reveal <laughs> and comparing it to like you know other games and stuff like that so've got a whole breakdown of that if we if we have time for it later too but well, I was um, just
0: going to do my uh, what I'm doing, and then we can kind of hop right into that if you wanted to. Yeah, sure. That's fine. Because I'm, I'm just doing some basic things. Uh, follow like usual. Finish the season. Um, I'm doing that stupid golf game. Uh,
1: <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> what would Rory McIlroy say?
0: I have no idea. I've never heard the man speak. He would, <laughs> he would say, oi, that's not very nice. <laughs> Isn't he Australian or something? I don't fucking. I, I have no I don't idea. Know. Um, and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy been putting some time into that uh, and that's been quite enjoyable um, I'm hoping he more people buy Irish. that game that makes sense <laughs> it does <laughs> so yeah that's all I've been basically doing um, yeah that's and it. Back for Blood oh we finished Back for Blood
2: yeah we did we oh, yeah, are we did. now
0: the Backs for Blood
2: the Backs for Blood yeah we're we have the Backs for Blood they call us the bloody backs.
0: That sounds horrible.
2: Yeah, it just sounds like we like do that like penitence thing where we like lash ourselves in the oh, backs. Oh, no.
0: Uh so yeah, let's talk about uh, eldering a bit here. I um this first off, I'll just say this made me more excited for the game. Mhm.
2: Yeah, like hugely. So tell for us sure. your thoughts, Tim. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to go over here, so I mean, we can do it a couple of ways. I can like rattle off stuff and you can like uh, I'm kind of just like, watching it me, right now. Ask me questions. Yeah, I've, I've got it up in the background, too, because I was going over my notes again. But, um, like, or I can just keep talking about what I've got. And you guys can stop me at any time if, you've, <laughs> okay, if you you sure. got questions. <laughs> Go ahead, Because yeah. i got a lot, so. Let it rip. <clears throat> okay, so, Elden Ring. We finally got some, like, juicy stuff. So, we can kind of break it down a little bit here. So, for those who have or have not seen the gameplay trailer... Um, obviously Elden Ring is the new FromSoft game that's being co-written by Miyazaki and also George R.R. R. Martin, famous for the Game of Thrones books and TV show. Um, yeah, so it's like, it's very, it's very much a FromSoft game, for sure. Gameplay-wise, it's very familiar if you've played, like, any other FromSoft game. Um, but the biggest difference is that it's not bleak everywhere, it's colorful. I think it's, yeah, it's like the first FromSoft game where they actually used the color like yellow yeah. um <laughs> and green. Um no, but they, anyway, they moved
0: out of the PS3 and 360 uh, 360 era.
2: Yeah, where everything had to be like gritty and dark. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Gears of War 1. Uh but yeah, so it takes place in a in the place called The Lands Between. Um it's got a very like Nordic vibe to it. It's I mean, there's like the the I'm not sure if it's called like Yggdrasil or the World Tree, but there's an analog for that, like, very prominently in all of the... I mean, I'm sure you've seen all of the artwork and stuff of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's very bright, very vibrant, lots of color, it's not bleak everywhere. And the first thing that you notice right off the bat from, like, the gameplay is that uh, it's super big. It's really massively open, um, which, I mean, I know massive open world games are kind of played out at this point, but it's interesting for a FromSoft game because those tend to be very intricately designed, interconnected worlds, um, but also kind of like linear in, their, in the design of each area, I would say. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't happen very frequently where you'll have a huge open, explorable area in a FromSoft game. So for the whole game to be like this is very, uh, it's a different... Um, it's a different take for them uh i'm sure like i know that it's really like played out now when it comes to game journalism but the game really does look a lot like breath of the wild and have some similarities to it Mm -hmm. in that and i know like you know genshin impact and you know whatever other like massive open games these days it always gets compared to breath of the wild it's old hat to say that but there really are a lot of distinct similarities to breath of the wild and i'll bring them up when i when we come across them but um i mean by and large it's a standard FromSoft uh game the the routine is there you've got your your left and right hand weapons you've got swept and swapping you got armor sets you've got magic and sorceries and um you know items glowing on the ground to pick them up your expected wielding of your of your toolkit kind of thing uh they got their bonfire analog in this they're called sites of Grace. Um, But when you activate one, and it's not confirmed whether it's just the first time you do it or, like, every time you go to it, but they send off uh, rays of guiding light, which you can, like, follow. Uh, I assume they'll go to, like, points of interest nearby, whether that's treasure or, you know, a boss or, you know, there's a group of enemies to fight. Not stated in the gameplay. They watch it kind of go off, and then they go the opposite direction. So, um it's also shown that you get a mount. Um, I assume it probably happens very early in the game. It's like a kind of like a a pack deer type looking thing. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Uh, pack deer. <laughs> uh, it's very fast. It can jump up cliffs very easily. Um, Not just cliffs, mountains. Well, mountains as well. Yeah, and there's the. I'll, I'll get into like the exploration and traversal as well, but it's uh, it's very um, nimble, and uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's definitely there to help you explore this like massive place. And I, I do like that. I would, I would really like it if they did give it to you very early on, because, um, I kind of hate when a game is really big and then you have to like work towards getting them out. And then mm-hmm. that makes it easier to get around everywhere. Like, just let me go wherever right off the bat. Cause that's what I've been having the most fun in breath of the wild recently with, I think is just the fact that like with like the wind bombing, you can get anywhere pretty much like literally anywhere so quickly it just makes it so much more fun to explore because it's like, why would I fast travel when I could literally just like bomb myself up this mountain really quick? Yeah. Um, And then you just find new stuff that way. So it's, it's really fun to do that. So I hope that that is how that works. Um, But yeah, as you're just, as you're just running around, um, massive boss enemies can seemingly just show up while you're exploring Um, the combat overall looking very similar to like dark souls three and uh, like visceral attacks as well. If you're familiar with like doing enough damage or hitting a weak point, Uh, In Bloodborne and and Mm -hmm. Dark Souls 3 as well, Uh, those seem to make make, making a reappearance as well. So in terms of uh, exploration, though, um, like we said, there's the the mount that helps you get around. They've got these huge like wind updrafts that help you scale uh, like vertical cliffs super quickly. They just seem to be kind of dotted around the map, I would assume. Um, There's friendly NPCs that you can find in the world. Um, Jarman. Kind of similar, yeah, <laughs> similar to previous games, but now they've got like it's definitely it definitely feels like you're playing through like a legend. You know? Oh yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like a like a mythos of something. Like there's there's just fantastical creatures and people and, and other characters that are allies and enemies. And I mean the whole the whole um vibe around Elden Ring is that you're supposed to be this like chosen one. And that some people want to help you because they want to help the chosen one. And you're the one who's going to, you know, find the MacGuffin or or kill the Vati or, or whatever, right? So it kind of lends itself to this, like, storybook type of um, world um, or, like, legend that you're kind of playing through. Which is, I think, a really cool um, take. And I, fe- I honestly feel like I haven't played enough games that have done that. Uh, certainly not ones that probably will have... Told as cohesive a story as, uh, as, uh, George R. R. Martin. And I mean, the Miyazaki Dark Souls style of storytelling, which is typically very abstract. It's, uh, it's, it's done through conversations with NPCs and item descriptions. Like, they really don't give you much. No, they really don't give you very much at all. It's not like they sit you down and go, "Okay, here's 4 hours of cutscenes for you to like get the established lore in the world." It's like you you get everything through watching uh what happens in the world and like reading stuff and and, and stuff like that. So, it's um it's definitely uh no fall damage
0: is something I noticed.
2: Yeah, so either um, there's either no fall damage or it's like greatly reduced because a, a big part of exploring in this world is jumping down cliffs and stuff like that, um, which they show off a number of times in this gameplay, um, which is like, which makes sense. Um, I'm not, but there's like, there's like the, um, the way they did it in Dark Souls 2 is like you could fall really far in Dark Souls 2 until you went just too far so it would do like very little damage very little damage very little damage go a little bit farther like 90 percent of your health and damage or it just outright kills you like it was really weirdly done mm-hmm. so um in this i i wonder i assume if you fall far enough you, you'll probably take fall damage but any like decent drop that you probably would be comfortable taking in like dark souls one or three um
0: unless there's an item you can get or maybe mm-hmm. just they want you to really explore this world and so they just took it out entirely.
2: That would be great. I would love to just like sprint and run and jump off, yeah. of, like, off a cliff and just take no damage for it. That would be really funny in a in a FromSoft game. But um But yeah, I mean <clears throat> speaking of it's um of of jumping, there's lots of new uh gameplay mechanics in this in this that have not been in uh Fromsoft games before. So well, actually, aside from Sekiro, uh, this has the crouching and stealthing, like Sekiro had, um, but it's that's new to Dark Souls and certainly Bloodborne as well. There's item crafting, so they show off um, crafting, like, different arrows, and I'm sure there's, like, different tools and kits and or bombs and stuff like that that you can do as well. Um, you can just jump at any time. You don't have to do, like, the run and jump, which has, like... Been the plague of many platforming puzzles in previous uh, games. <laughs> but also People hilarity. Can't... Oh, it's like it's the worst when you see <laughs> you see a blood a blood stain next to a ledge. You're like, oh, how did this happen? And you see them like standing there at the ledge, and they run back, and then they run up to the ledge, and then they roll off it because <laughs> having your run and roll button on the same button, and it just depends on the genius. context of whether you're sprinting or not. It's, it's like it's just such a troll and i definitely feel like they did it on purpose but then dark souls 2 introduced the clicking the left stick to to jump versus hitting the sprint button again so it's uh it's nice to be able to just like jump it's it's weird to see it in a in uh in a from game but i mean well, sekiro, sekiro had it right yeah sekiro had it so it's it just kind of, it kind of seems like they're they're taking everything from every game mm-hmm. and putting it together for Elden Ring so you got like the Dark Souls style combat you've got the Sekiro crouching and stealthing and item crafting and uh jumping and then you've got kind of Bloodborne style like visceral attacks and then um like dungeons which make an appearance later as well mm-hmm. so um but uh but yeah lots of uh mechanics and then Again, akin to Sekiro, their enemies seem to have some sort of like stance meter and they mention it in the in the voiceover as well. How You can break enemy stance with heavy attacks and then they show um, the character doing your classic Dark Souls style like riposte on a on a like a stance broken or parried character. Um, But yeah, so when it comes to uh, multiplayer, there's your standard expected co-op PVP invasion style uh, mechanics that they've always done. There doesn't seem to be a limit, or at least I don't mention it, on like where you can summon uh, like helpers because of just like the open nature of the game. Um, In previous games, like every area was its own sort of contained space. And if you summon somebody in that area, you can't leave that area and neither can they until you like beat the boss. So, with this being sort of my like a more open concept game, I'll be interested to see if there is. Uh, any limitation on like where you can summon characters or if the place just seems um, open world, but in reality it is still like an enclosed area or a series of enclosed areas everywhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then you still will get your like expected fog gate at like the entrance and exit being like, nope, you can't leave because you've got a summon or you've been invaded or whatever, right? So um, another interesting thing, to go back to uh, the connection to like breath of the wild is that there's a map for the first time in this. Game. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, that's never been in, in these games before. And you've uh, I mean, again, I, I hate to just keep comparing it to breath of the wild, but there are literal similar to breath of the wild. You can like literally put placeable markers anywhere on the map to notify whether it's like a place to get crafting materials or a strong enemy or resources or whatever. Right. Um, and then there's also beacons you can place beacons on the map same way you can in breath of the wild Yep. and then when you go back out to your like gameplay screen you can see a glowing pillar of light where you've put it so it's it's extremely similar and i i'm not i'm not uh upset about it because if you're gonna have a big open world game having those tools to help you find stuff is like pretty standard now oh yeah for sure so i can only imagine that like i mean the only thing that that this game is missing that would make it just like a you know, for extremely similar would be the ability to climb anything, which which you don't seem to have, so that's fine. But um yeah, it's it's just like uh Miyazaki and George R. R. Martin must have loved Breath of the Wild or something because they just like they're like, we're gonna take these features, we're gonna put them in our game too, because they're just good. Well as far uh, as I can tell, uh, George R. R.
0: Martin was just there for the the world. Yeah. Like just the, developing the the
2: lore. The lore and, and then the story, he was yeah. he was gone pretty pretty early on. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's I mean, it's still it's still from soft, same studio. So obviously it's going to be very familiar for those that are familiar with uh, with their games. Um, but, yeah, the, um, speaking uh, further on, like sort of like the fog gate idea with the with multiplayer and stuff like that, um, bosses still seem to have like an arena that you enter to fight them um, going through fog gates and stuff uh obviously you can still have your summonable npcs or friends or whatever um to help you fight things they didn't show off any summonable npcs in this Mm -hmm. um it it seems to be other players the like i think two times they showed off like somebody being summoned um so well i mean i assume there will be because there have been in like every other game but we will uh we will see what uh what that brings i mean they've, they've they've already shown off a lot of similar npc interaction the way that you would expect from previous games too so it's only to be expected that you can probably summon uh characters for boss fights and stuff like that or even just to help you explore out in the world um but yeah speaking to the uh the dungeons that um it showed off as well uh there seem to be these like little mini dungeons that you can go into um possibly enterable at any time the one they showed was literally just like he walks through a doorway on a cliffside and uh you can um you just he just goes right in and starts exploring it so um the voiceover the narration says that they take the form of uh caves catacombs mines and dungeons so it's all going to be very like you know um it, 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 was, it reminded me a lot of the chalice dungeons in bloodborne like these little mm. uh, sort of self-contained areas that you go through and there's like huge booby traps and stuff like that showed off like the fallen guillotines. Um, it's very like sentence fortress, but underground. Um, and then they also show off that like, again, similar to the Chalice dungeons, there's like a room at the end. It's got a chest in it. It's probably got some unique stuff or at least very good rewards kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's all very much uh it really is just seems to be like a mashup of all of the best bits of, of all their previous games. They're just kind of putting it all together. As I think that's like what's magnum, exciting about it. Magnum Opus. Yeah, it's like literally, it's literally for, if you're a fan of anything from Soft, if you're a fan of Sekiro, if you're a fan of Bloodborne, Dark Souls, Demon Souls, it's got everything. Like it's it's really almost like an homage to every previous game. Um, and then just the last thing that I wanted to touch on really um, majorly about it is uh, is the combat which I mean, it's very much expected if you've played Dark Souls uh, or Demon Souls. Lots of classic weapons are making a reappearance. So there's like uh, your you know your claymore, and there's like the lucerne and the longsword and um, axes and stuff They're like the great axe they've shown off as well. Like there's lots of lots of stuff that uh, that you will be familiar with if you've played um, previous games in the series. Uh, they, uh, you're expected, you know, standard light and heavy attacks or dodge rolling, all that is is present, of course. Um, sorceries are shown off pretty extensively in, in the gameplay trailer against one particular boss fight. Um, it seems really strong, so I don't know if sorcery is going to be something that you can either, like, specialize in or it's, like, something you have to unlock. Because, uh I mean, they showed off their their kind of standard, like, magic missile that you um would be familiar with uh, if you've uh played like like the soul arrow for example spell in in dark souls and demon souls um so i kind of wonder but uh but then obviously what the variety is going to be because they showed off something that like people be familiar with but then they're showing off like summoning massive astral clouds that like rain down thousands of arrows of like magical glowing arrows yeah and then there's another one where they do this huge charge up and they do this huge, like a laser moonbeam, uh, at the boss as well. That's very akin to, um, like, uh, some bloodborne enemy attacks. Um, it's hard to tell if pyromancy is in the game. Um, there are a number of fire based magic attacks that they showed off, largely from like, uh, the one summon character they show fighting the boss, like, summons this dragon head. Oh, yeah. And it blows fire, which was a thing in Dark Souls 3 um, for the, like, the dragon stone form. It was, like, a covenant thing, I think, in 3, that particular, like, dragon breath attack. So they show off a lot of enemies using fire as well. It'll be interesting to see if pyromancy is actually a thing or if they've lumped it all in with, like, sorcery. Miracles (laughs) or whatever the analog for that (laughs) will be was not shown because... (laughs) Nobody fucking likes miracles. Apparently, oh my God. Just, like they can be good. I think for Aaron these uses them. There's to this day still no way really to do a feasible miracle only build in Dark Souls. It would it take sucks. a miracle. But hey, but uh, yeah, they're they're mostly support. They're almost never offensive, and if they are, they're really weak usually. Um, but yeah. <clears throat> um, And then there was, there's one thing. I mean, they they show off, uh, using against the one like boss fight at the end of the, uh, of the gameplay trailer. They show using a, um, a buff on the weapon, which is pretty standard. Like if you've used your like pine resins or whatever in Dark Souls, you're familiar with like putting fire on your, on your weapon or putting like, uh, you know, poison or whatever. There's different, uh, buffs that you can put on, on non-upgraded weapons typically in these games. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that they showed. Which was pretty easy to miss. There's a part where the character is fighting these characters on like the side of a of a fort, like a castle fort. And he kind of he pulls back his he's got his two-handing like uh what looks to be the claymore, and he kind of pulls it back behind him and he grabs the blade with his hand. And then as he like goes to draw the blade out to like swing it at the character, he like drags his hand along it and and like you see blood spurting from his hand, and they does this huge, like, bloody arc and hits the hits the character with that. So that's something that I saw, and I was like, "What the? Was that? Was he just using like the special attack of the one sword in Bloodborne?" Because there's a there's a obviously um, with with Bloodborne, there's a whole stat that's based around like blood, which typically does the scaling of very few weapons, but then also your firearms and. Uh, so basically there's a, there's a one unique weapon that you can you kind of like uh like a seppuku yourself with the with this like katana and then it goes all like fully like bloody mode and it does a huge it does a bunch of extra damage but at the cost of your own health. And so I kind of wonder if that's like an overall mechanic that you can just do in this game at any time, it's like trade off health for like a really strong attack mm. or if it's only for certain weapons? Or if it's for a certain build, like if it's a, an ability, it's uh, kind of hard to um, kind of hard to hard to tell. But it was it was it was really one of those like blink and you miss it kind of details. Uh, so I'm really interested to see like what comes of that. Um, and then speaking of like toolkit, there was another thing that they showed off, which seems to be this like varying uh, spirit summoning system whether that's like a, an item that you can use or whether it's uh, a build or like something that you have to upgrade or like an inherent ability that every character gets, uh, you can summon spirits at seemingly kind of any time they can help you with uh, in combat with, with large groups or against like bosses and things like that. Um, they showed off, I think three different instances of the characters summoning these spirits. And it was like um, the one time it was like a smaller group of, of spirits that helped fight a small group. They all kind of looked like different, character models um the one time was this bigger tankier guy when he was fighting a mini boss um and then the one was uh he had this like axe where he did a particular like it looked like he just did like a big two-handed overhead swing down and then as he like brought the axe over his head these spirits appeared around the enemy that he was looking at and then as his character brings his axe down they all bring their axes down too and it like kills the enemy in one shot so um either some weapons have like these unique summoning attacks, like spirit tie in things, or maybe there's just some item that's like, it replicates what you're doing as a spirit near the enemy. And then it just does it there too. Um, But again, like another seemingly very unique major system uh, that's unique to this game and not in the previous games that looks to be very uh, um, intriguing. And they, they, didn't really show too much about it. But other than that, I mean, that's, uh, that's pretty much it for, for what they showed off. Um, a lot of the enemies seem to have very flashy, like elemental effects to a lot of their attacks too. wind seems to be a really big, uh, feature of this game. It looks like a lot of enemies use like wind in their attacks, whether it's just like an effect or they like kind of slice the air and like a wind blade flies at your character and mm-hmm. like knocks you down and you can do it too with certain weapons. Look pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's like all the particle effects are very, very flashy. I mean, we've seen what uh what the Demon Souls remake looks like on PS5. I can only imagine we're gonna have a very similar I will um, say Demon Souls
0: look better. I think it's uh hard, It's uh, always, think always hard Blue to tell point kinda outdid them
2: on YouTube, you know. Um I mean those sorts of things can always just be polished polished up at the end, right? They've yeah. still got another three months before this comes out. Three and a half months. Um so I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing very similar particle effects and things like that with uh, with this game. But Bluepoint definitely did set the bar pretty high. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you compared to Demon's Souls remake to the original Demon's Souls, oh, which was yeah. not a te- was well, not a terrible looking game for the time. But, you know, it's it's leagues. It's leagues apart. Graphically, you know, what from software has is like the detail. It,
0: it may not look the best graphically. But the detail in the game is what's, like, absurd.
2: Oh, and the character models just on their and, outfits and stuff. Like stuff? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just the way that, like, you get these characters, like, the one character that they've shown off a number of times, like, the golden mm-hmm. uh, Godric, the golden king. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm pretty sure is a name they've reused a lot. Because they said Godric, and I was like, what What the fuck? He's in, he's in Dark Souls. Is it, like, mm-hmm. the same guy, or is it just, like, a different Godric? But anyway, I think he's in Bloodborne, too. Um, but there's, uh, he's just, like, this seemingly like normal-ish looking like giant man but he's got like (laughs) arms all over his back he has like literally like on his shoulders he's literally got like four arms like on each shoulder and then two massive arms and then arms on his ribs too so it's like it's just a weird Mm -hmm. amalgamation of just arms on this man but uh the the all of the hands are are differently detailed like it's not just a copy and paste like they all have different armor on them or they've like some have robes and some of them have you know uh like little gold accents or whatever else it is kind of thing like it's very um i mean you can look at any of the designs of any boss character from dark souls or bloodborne or Sekiro or whatever and just look at the the detail and like you kind of look at it and go like how how does anybody think of this Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like this guy's got a dragon for an arm like a dragon head so I don't know. It's it's all very uh, flashy for sure. All right. Well, thanks for that, Tim. Uh, I'm pretty mm. excited for the game.
0: And I hope yeah. it turns out pretty good. So. I was
1: going to ask you guys, like they were talking about crafting materials and stuff. Like, do you guys think this is going to be kind of grindy? Because they, in the in the reveal, they showed the the two characters while they were playing co-op, like sneaking through the forest, because obviously they're not on a high enough level, not powerful enough to kill those big creatures. And I was mm-hmm. kind of curious as to whether you guys are going to be... Sort of like, hey, you know, to get into this castle, I need, like, I don't know, Root or something. And you're going to be like, man, like, what do I do? Like, like I don't have any Root. So you just start, like, look, because this game's not going to tell you. Short of maybe a character telling you. So you're going to be running around looking for root for God knows how long. So I was wondering, like, how much you guys think this is going to be. Because there's also the, uh they also, like, ambushed that... Um, uh, like caravan that had parked for the night or whatever that was camping for the night. Mm-hmm. And I was curious yeah. as to whether those are random or is that caravan always there? You raid it once and then that's it. Or, you know, whether this, whether this is going to be like a Bethesda like experience where the world constantly spawns random things for you, or is it going to be very much like, you know, it's an open world to explore, but that big pot guy's always in the same spot. This camp's always in the same spot. You
2: know, it would be really interesting If uh, I could see going either way, honestly. I could see it being like uh I could see it that they those caravans are always there. Or I could also see it where they are like randomly spawning. Um but uh yeah, it's it's I think hard to tell at this at this point. Um another thing they kind of showed off that gave a lot of information was um when they were in the crafting menu, uh they showed off it shows the character stats. Uh, on the on the right side and it's all very much expected like from soft stuff it shows the character level uh, the souls equivalent in this game is called runes and then it shows their stats so there's vigor which has been in previous games uh, the next stat is mind which i'm not sure if that's going to be tied to if that's this game's uh version of attunement slot but i can only assume that it probably is um, then you've got endurance strength dexterity intelligence Uh, And then there's Faith and Arcane. So Faith being for Miracles from Dark Souls, Arcane uh, being for, uh, in Bloodborne, item discovery and uh, the strength of the tools that you have, like the hunter tools and other um, more uh, sort of cosmic items that give you sort of magical effects. Uh, and then you've got your HP, um, FP, which I assume is going to be sort of your mana and then, uh, a stamina and a equip load as well. And, po- and poise is a bit of a meme in uh, the dark souls community, but poise is also in this game and then it shows discovery. And then, uh, again, like memory slots. So it's going to be probably your attunement slot. So not confirmed that mind is going to be this game's version of attunement, but it's probably likely. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so... And you mentioned that guy as well, like, that the NPC would always be in the same spot. Um, I would kind of think so, because with when they do characters in these games, the characters are always in the same spot every playthrough. Right. And it's kind of, like, there's a reason that they're there. Like, they FromSoft doesn't just put a character in a location randomly. Like, usually they're in that spot... For a specific purpose or because something specific happened to them and they ended up there like there's always a lore reason uh, for every character to be where they are and at like what time, right? So um, I would have a hard time believing that the characters would be placed randomly for different playthroughs for the sake of variety and replayability. Um, but then again, this game is doing a lot of things differently from previous games. So Um I don't know. Just with like how attentive to the lore detail they are, I would be surprised if it was random.
1: I was curious too, you know. With this, is how much how much of this is going to be, uh, sort of classic RPG. In that, I wonder if there's going to be a town to go to, because there's you know we've all we've always been sort of starved. I suppose not that I've played played these games much, but in Dark Souls and Bloodborne, there's very little. Say like a safe haven, uh, for you to go, and you don't really see the civilian life or whatever you would call it. Um, it tends to be a hub, yeah, yeah. But like you don't see like a, like a proper city or like a proper town or something that's like in you know working order. Usually it's like a safe house or whatever. Like, and I've explained, I haven't experienced all of them, so maybe I'm you know wrong in some ways. But I'm curious as to whether there's going to be like an uncorrupted or whatever they call it in this game, an uncorrupted town where you're going to be able to actually go there and there's shops and there's like a more traditional, like maybe there's a player home or fucking like whatever or stuff like that. Like, like I kind of think that's a far cry from what it probably is going to happen. But at the same time, it's sort of like open world's kind of new to it as well. But if it ends up being semi-linear, like you guys were talking about, where it's like, go to this arena, not go to this arena, not go to this arena type of thing, then it's kind of an open world anyway. But it, it, it looks interesting. Um, I'm just curious as to how much it'll reflect you know other rpgs i suppose
2: yeah i don't know if it'll stray that much from the formula yeah um just because like they they do those things but in a different way right so it's not like there's a hub and then all the shops are there like they'll have a hub as like a safe zone for where you might meet npcs out in the world and then you can you'll find them later when you go back to that like hub area it's like oh they have found their way here and i can like talk to them again kind of thing right right Um, and then shops exist in the world, but they're NPCs that are just kind of randomly scattered around everywhere. Um, I would say just by implication from the map, this seems to be the biggest game world they've ever had. Oh, it looks good. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see like if each zone is going to have kind of like it's, it's kind of one spot where there's always an NPC. Like you can expect to find an NPC and that NPC probably sells stuff. Or at least tells you about, like, the location and that kind of thing. Um, one thing that I would kind of be more interested to see would be, <clears throat> because this seems to be kind of the first game where it's not, like, um, like a, a dead or dying world. Um, Bloodborne might be the closest thing to it being, like... Still normal, ish. Kind of with, kind of still, kind of <laughs> modern. You know, like at the beginning of Bloodborne, you're you're just a hunter that's going through these streets, and there are still like civilians in the houses, mm. being like, oh, this is the hunt. Like it happens, you know, every once in a while. So we just lock ourselves in, wait for it to end, kind of thing. Like it seems like it's just modern society, right? Mm-hmm. um Whereas like Dark Souls is like you you are literally roaming through the ashes of what was once a great world um Demon Souls is like more more akin to Bloodborne where it's like uh a world that demons are suddenly attacking and corrupting uh and you have to fight back the demons and like assemble the the demons souls to give them to the like great old one um kind of thing but with this one it's hard to tell if it's like yeah this is like a fantasy world where there definitely are, like, other heroes and other, like, people of of sound mind that you'll be able to, like, ally with, or, like, maybe there'll be factions, that kind of thing. Um, or if it's, again, gonna be, like, because it's just, like, sort of, like, a fantasy story that's being told, where you're the main character, like, you're the hero, um, like, trying to, like, rise to greatness kind of thing, in a very kind of mythological, like, uh... Yeah, like mythical hero way, the way that like the Greeks would talk about like, um, you know, Artemis or um, any any of the uh, heroes with huge like backstories behind them and legends told about them. Mm-hmm. If it's just supposed to be like, this is a massive world where everything's like just chaotic and you're the one who is able to survive all of it kind of thing. So, you know, that could be their justification for there not being any established groups of like society and stuff like that um really those sorts of like details and the nitty-gritty about like gameplay and where the story's gonna go impossible to tell from 15 minutes of gameplay. Oh, of course
1: yeah there's gonna be a um, lot left on the table
2: so i mean i uh, i would be surprised if they drop any more info before the game actually comes out this seemed to be their big thing to be like here's a bunch of gameplay here's like you can pre-order and here's what the collector's edition is and it seemed like the
1: last big like hurrah before the game comes out in uh in february Damn, that's close eh i keep thinking it's like 2024 for some reason That like this game is one of those things where like i just i always think it's so far away because like we we heard nothing about it for so long because you never hear anything about elden ring yeah, yeah so sure. i just keep thinking like it's, oh that's, uh... that's gonna get delayed by five years ah, a couple more years you know
2: <laughs> we're already one we're week fine. into november too yeah yeah by and large i would say this game looks mostly complete um there were a a couple of little like polished things that i was like oh yeah they'll probably tighten that up or this and that or just like you know there's like npcs that would get knocked down and then they're like flat on the ground with their legs are floating because the ground they're standing on is like angled oh yeah just just stuff like that and be like oh yeah like that'll probably get like addressed or this and that but all right
0: let's uh yeah move on to the news here Uh, Netflix is now going to be on Android with video games for paying subscribers. This comes from Aris Technica. Uh, After a region limited tease earlier this year, Netflix's gaming uh, push officially begins this week as the company releases uh, an update to its Android app. Starting tomorrow, not actually sure when this was written, but probably by the time you hear this, all Netflix subscribers on Android will start seeing a row labeled either N games, which (laughs) doesn't sound that great to me, or games on mobile. Uh, inside the normal video streaming app, the games are exclusively for smartphones and tablets. In addition to a pair of smartphone-friendly games based on the Stranger Things series, Netflix Games currently includes three other arcade tap-action games. Uh, and like the licensed games, these titles all previously launched on smartphone storefronts. Now that they're part of the Netflix games, the games have been updated to work without any upfront costs or hidden microtransactions. Um, so obviously this is a little weird given that they're mobile games, but I guess they're gonna be streamed how do you guys feel about this uh, Netflix entering the uh, the game streaming market
1: well they're they they need to be downloaded. is that correct though? I'm not sure I don't know someone because I, I I read like a tweet or an excerpt of an article and somebody said that the games each individually have to be downloaded, which was unlike Game Pass. However, I have not, that's unconfirmed. Like I said, it was a tweet or an excerpt or something like that. Um, but I mean, I will say that this offering, <laughs> this offering doesn't seem all that strong. Not that I've played it, but I kind of feel like the Play Store is going to outdo it by default since we're only on Android at this point. It kind of just seems like it'd be bizarre to boot up or get, like, get into this Netflix games thing and then just play these random games. Like, not... I mean, I'm a little biased. I haven't played or haven't watched Stranger Things, so I can't, like, say too much. I'm not going to, like, speak down to it or whatever. But, like, in terms of, you know, I'm pretty strict. Not st- super strict, but I'm, like, fairly strict on what goes on my phone. Like, I'm not just going to download every game that interests me, um, for sure. And I delete games rather quickly if I, if I'm, if I don't play them. So... I don't see myself like jumping to this because even something as fully fledged as Xbox Game Pass, I'm not even in there every day. Sometimes I don't even go in there in in a whole week. So sometimes I only go in there to manage the downloads, (laughs) which is actually usually what I'm in there for. So I, I don't see myself using this and I don't really I don't I don't see the need for it. I could see this being something cool if they if they started doing more stuff like Bandersnatch where this was a better way to do Bandersnatch or do other things like uh, Squid Game. You know, I won't do any spoilers, but you could do some games but, like regarding Squid Game or maybe there's like an interactive, uh, like another Squid Game that's like a Squid Game Bandersnatch, if you will, where it's like an actual, um, like an interactive adventure where you're, you know, one of the contestants and blah, blah, blah. And that's as far as I'll go in terms of spoilers. But like th- that would be interesting. But to me, this... Just from what it sounds like, like it doesn't pull me in. And especially with Amazon Underground, which was a similar service having gone under, it doesn't bode too well for me.
0: I mean, I think, I guess game launchers on Android probably aren't as many as there are on Windows. But it's getting pretty nuts the amount of places you can play games now. Do we need one more <laughs> Amazon or um, Netflix, you know? Place to get games. I don't know.
1: Well, here's the thing is like when we first heard about Netflix games when it was a rumor, uh, before we had any intel at all, I kind of figured that it would be kind of cool because what I thought it was gonna be is hey, you have Netflix everywhere. Here's Netflix games, you know, smart TVs, Apple TV, whatever, doesn't matter, wherever it's allowed, you'll be able to just flip into the game mode, and they'll just have games available for streaming. That's what I figured it would be. This is this is something that I would never expect. Actually, like it's this- weird that
0: it's not streaming. So you're saying it's not streaming? It's 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 just a you have to download these games. I
1: I, I can I can look that up after to confirm. But I uh, like to confirm if that little excerpt that I read was correct. But I'm oh, but I'm certain that that is what it said. Um, that it that these games have to be downloaded, and that was like the big difference is that they're not streamed. But like it's it's bizarre to me to like. It's bizarre to me to say, like, hey, we have these other games. It's like, why didn't you just release them on the Play Store? Yeah. Like, why, why are they on this Netflix thing? And you could still have it. So you log in with Netflix. And if you well, log in with Netflix, then, then then the game unlocks and is free or whatever.
0: Yeah, I think they're they're, they're feeling the competition from, like, Disney Plus and other streaming uh, um, services. And so they're probably trying to find a way to make Netflix seem more enticing. Particularly with their increased costs, like the increased like monthly charge, um, they need to find out ways to make people justify that and, and continue spending that that monthly
2: bill. I think it's it also speaks to like probably ne- um, Netflix's desire to to keep people on their platform longer, right? Like it's pretty well established these days that the longer a person spends on your platform, the more money they're going to spend on it, right? And I know so many people that just keep Netflix on in the background as, as like a thing, right? So, I know that they've said they're not going to like have microtransactions or anything in these games, but like like you say, it's just adding more value to the purchase price, right? Like if you can if you want to play a game, you can just open up Netflix and while you're, you know, on your phone on the bus or whatever and just play away at some games for a little bit it's keeping you on Netflix longer so the more time that you spend there the less likely you are to ever unsubscribe because it's like oh well then all the stuff I've invested in these shows I've been watching these games I've been playing I won't have access to them anymore because I can only assume if you're not paying for a Netflix subscription you might still have these games downloaded but you won't be able to play them because you'll be need to like log in and then it's like oh you don't have a subscription you can't play it Yeah, so it's just it's just strange.
0: Um, I'm hoping they kind of come up with better games, <laughs> you know. Oh well, yeah, I mean, all and obviously time. They, 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 yeah, and they definitely probably won't be able to get this onto an iOS platform without a without a big old fight. <laughs> so
1: you know what's interesting yeah, I wonder, if, I wonder if this will take off. I wonder if iOS is gonna have to give in with uh, things like the metaverse coming. Imagine if iOS just just can't participate in the metaverse because you you can can play games in there. It's possible,
0: but I mean, Epic's the only one who has a metaverse who's like fighting Apple. I don't I don't really see anyone else fighting Apple uh, too hard. Uh, There's obviously developers have have criticized Apple, um, but none have like taken their games off the store or anything like that, you know?
1: no uh, what i mean and mind with, you apple has apple arcade what i mean what i what i more so mean is like a metaverse is in like it, it in the next 10 years we're gonna see metaverse metaverse i i don't know metaverses whatever that come out where where like you literally can <laughs> Wait, go to like an arcade
2: did you just think that the plural of universe was i, universe screwed up
1: I? and then i continued <laughs> but metaver- you know what it's now metaverse i but anyway uh like there's gonna be in 10 years there's gonna be it's like PlayStation Home, where like Ryan, like you went to the fair in in PlayStation Home. Oh, well, oh well, and you like was awesome, yeah. But so, is that allowed on Apple? If you go to an arcade in a metaverse that that is in or on the iPhone, I don't think it is. It might be. It would be. It, it would be if you get a if Apple gets a cut. But they can't look over those games.
0: It would be part of the game.
1: No, but but like it's a metaverse so people can no, just yeah, add their games the game. no people can just add games to it and whenever though do you see what uh, i'm saying like, it, it'd, be like it'd be like the if the way if, it if, works if, if they allowed no. far cry 6 in like if they allowed Far, let's just say like far cry 6 it's really basic here's a shooter far cry 6 comes in and you literally like you know you're playing far cry 6 the full experience hypothetically on an iphone but then far cry 6 goes you know what We're going to allow it so that users are allowed to make their own maps, make their own objectives and make their own games all with the assets. That's probably okay. But then if they say Microsoft has a portal in here (laughs) and you can sign into Game Pass within Far Cry 6, they're not going to allow that. The metaverse is going to be that second one. Because Apple would would go through and approve all the pieces of Far Cry 6. And so if there's user made maps, that's a part of the game more than likely. Right. It's up to their judgment. But in terms of having something that's completely brand new and random all the time that does not go through Apple, they're not going to allow that. And that's what a metaverse will more than likely have. I don't know. Like metaverse is obviously completely new. It's like the new thing, right? It's like the thing that like, like we're hearing about metaverse as much as we are as much as we heard about cloud computing. when We were in college, you know, so it's like the new
0: thing. <clears throat> this It would have to be something that Apple would have to figure out because they have apps on there that update with new content. And it's not like Apple's approving that new content, you know, but when it's a game that has games
1: inside of it. um, Which a metaverse might might that's... have might have an arcade like I could run a metaverse arcade and purchase the rights to games and put those games in the in the metaverse and Apple would never know. I don't. It would be if you're if
0: you're. uh, It would have to be something like let's say let's just take PlayStation Home for example, since it's the the since it's the father of the metaverse. (laughs) That's really Um,
1: sad, kind of
0: though. Although Second Life maybe even more so, um, or any any MMO really. Um, But uh, just taking PlayStation Home for example, so effectively you buy or download PlayStation Home and it's not like you're playing far cry inside of that. It's not like you purchase far cry to play far cry. Right. Right. Inside PlayStation Home. Um that's still done externally. But if they just add like arcade games, I don't think Apple's going to raise a stink. You know. But if 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 they come up with a game where you do play far cry within it, then that's a tricky situation. I'm not sure how that would be handled.
1: And and because the metaverse will be like an ever experimenting thing for a long time cuz it's going to be new. Yeah. Apple's going to possibly, again, this is all up to their judgment at the moment, possibly get scared. Mm -hmm. What's interesting about that is I wonder if that's going to be like the fall of the king, if you will. The fall of the king of the smartphone. Apple's kind of like the king of it. Obviously, there's Android and they have a big presence, too. But like people always kind of I kind of seen people like talk about uh, iPhone more than Android. And so if they are unable based on their own policies to. Have these new things. Then, like, they can't even have Netflix games, it sounds like. It's not like, yeah. uh, now, Now, whether they got actually refused it or whatever is, you know, remains to be seen. Or whether Netflix just hasn't given it to a- Apple for they approval. They probably haven't even tried. Yeah, like, it's up to them, right? But, like, they can't even have, like, the new game, the new quote-unquote game console, meaning game streaming. So.
0: However, I don't think Apple is as, as rigid as, as people think. Because Netflix, for example, was able to get a special deal with Apple. Right. So that all these movies like Apple doesn't like get a cut and have to approve all the movies going on Netflix. Same with uh, Amazon and whoever else. Right. So I think I think if enough metaverses come out, Apple will probably have to cave.
1: It'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I have a thing from Tech Radar here. Uh, It does say the steps, which is really quick. Six steps says download the updated version of the Netflix Android app. Log into your account, open your profile, visit the games tab or tap Netflix games available on the homepage, and then pick the game of your choice and then install the game from Google Play Store. And now you can enjoy the downloaded game via the Netflix app. So you install it via the Google Play Store anyway, apparently. And also on the on the official Netflix site, paraphrasing just because I read it a couple minutes ago, it said something like some of the games do require an Internet connection because they're Internet enabled, but some of mm-hmm. them you can just play offline. So definitely you're downloading, you know, something. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I might, I'll, I'll, I, I talked a lot of shit about this already. I'm going to try one. I'm going to try one. And I'm going to see, I'll, I'll report back. Okay.
0: okay. That's if it's in Canada. This is just rolling out now. Right? Oh
1: yeah. Once it's available to me, I'll try yeah. one. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Uh, moving on here. Nintendo Switch sales have climbed to 93 million. However, uh, they warned that, uh, There will be continued uncertainty, obviously, because of the global um, semiconductor shortage. This is from GameSpot. Um, So Nintendo's released its sales report for the latest period, revealing Nintendo Switch sold another 8.28 million units to boost the system's lifetime results to 92.87 million. However, the company also acknowledged continued uncertainty in the market due to COVID-19 and the ongoing semiconductor shortage, blah, 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 blah. However, that number is pretty massive, eh? 93 million switches, um... I remember it was like a big deal when the PS4 reached 100 million units.
1: Yeah, that's a big
0: deal. So Nintendo will likely hit that pretty soon, particularly when it says here uh, they previously expected to ship 25 million Switch units by the end of its fiscal year. The company reduced that number to 24 million. So by the end of this year, they may have reached 100 million.
2: (sighs) That is insane. and then during the PlayStation 4's life cycle as well as when they sold their 500 millionth PlayStation overall.
0: Because mm.
2: they had the 500 million edition of the PS4, which symbolized all of PlayStation sales for all the consoles. So to think that Nintendo is going to hit a fifth of that with just the Switch yeah, is like... And I mean, obviously, video games are more popular now than they've ever been. Like, so many people have PS4, PS5, Xbox, Switch in their house, than than people you know had when it was just like just the NES or whatever, right? The SNES yeah. and the Sega Genesis and whatever. But um, that's a bit It's still a big number. Hundred million Switches. <laughs>
1: Switch I actually. No. I don't-
2: Yes, shy. That, Damn it, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, that's what it is. TBII.
1: <laughs> Man, I forgot about that. Holy crap!
0: <laughs> uh, what's really weird is the PlayStation Two is still the the best selling console in history. 156 million units. Mm-hmm. What what happened there? Why was that so remarkable?
1: It was just super fucking accessible, and it was just like really good. Like it, it yeah. just felt good. Got a
2: strong lineup. I think the price was right. It was affordable enough for average people to to get it. I think everybody that thought Nintendo, like the N64 was skewing too young. They were like, nah, I'm an adult. I want an adult console. I'm gonna get the PS2. Like it was just that I think it just hit the right demographic at the right time for the right price and had the right lineup of games. I wonder Um, if we'll ever even get close to that number again. Because that's that's crazy. It's gonna happen eventually. There's gotta be another point at which either video games are just so universally like played by everyone in some form factor or another that 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 number will just be pretty standard like mm-hmm. these things will always sell 150 million uh, units or we'll just have another like breakout success like the PS2 like it'll just hit it'll be the right thing at the right time for the right price et etc et etc
0: uh, the PS, or sorry, the original PlayStation sold 103 million. Still
2: so a lot. The Wii sold 102 million. See, in my mind, the, everybody has a
1: Wii. Everybody in their <laughs>
2: damn aunt has a Wii, and it's, they still have it. It's still. We had <laughs> a lot
0: of Wii's.
1: <laughs> I got a Wii. I got I, a Wii in an official Nintendo Wii bag, a travel bag in the other room. <laughs> like uh, people used the Wii well
2: into like. The 2010s to just use it as like a Netflix box mm-hmm. when like Netflix first came out, people were using the Wii just to play Netflix off of. Uh, PlayStation three in fourth place with 85 million units.
0: However, this does not include the Switch. This list this is outdated mm-hmm. list. Um, 84 million for Xbox 360. Kind of funny that that people considered 360 won that generation. But the PS3 ended up selling more in the long run.
2: In the long run, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was going to say, I mean, Xbox had a good lead on it for a long time. I think
0: they saturated the market. Like, everyone who wanted the 360 got the 360. And then by the end of the generation, it's like, that PS3 has some pretty damn good games on it. And Mm -hmm. then they all went and picked up the
1: PS3. The instant game collection was a no-brainer for anyone that wanted, like, a shit-ton of value.
2: Yeah. That was a good move. It was really the only thing that Sony could have done, I think, by that point. It's just like, how do we make up the difference here? We so, just have to give away a bunch of really good games. This is an old-ass list. I don't have to update the numbers here. <laughs> well, is that the Wikipedia list? No,
0: it was E-Bombs World. E-Bombs I got the E-bombs Wikipedia one World? up now. Holy yeah. Christ.
1: I haven't freaking heard of E-Bombs World. Like, although I say this like every year, I swear. I'm like, I haven't heard of that in 10 years, and someone will like reference it. And it's, it's like, yeah, oh, so, I haven't been 10 years.
0: So uh, Wikipedia has PS2 at 155. Then it has the DS, the family of DS handheld uh, consoles at 154. Yeah, so that's a bit,
2: that's not a little unfair, I guess, combining them all. <laughs> I mean, 150 million of those are all in Japan, though. <laughs> five, Several five times, times their population, lost. yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, PS4
0: ended up having 116 million. And our ps 4s is still being sold, I imagine, right? Yeah, yeah, probably at this so. point, yeah. Uh, original I mean, Rings releasing on PS4, so yeah. So this does have the Switch. The Switch is technically, if you want to include the DS and Game Boy and stuff, seventh place with ninety-two million. It's a lot of hardware. And at the very bottom of the list, the old Atari seventy-eight hundred, less,
2: <laughs> few, fewer than a million uh, of those sold. Well, yeah, because they were, like, the equivalent of, like, $900 <laughs> when, they, when it came out. Like, only the richest people were buying the Atari. Let's see. Hang on. The,
0: the Telstar. This is, I think, the earliest gaming console. 1976. Less than a million.
2: Yeah. Uh, where's the... You were a, You were a real fucking nerd if you played video games in the 70s. <laughs> like, that's just, like, you were the... You were getting bullied, you were wearing glasses, you were getting shoved in the, into the lockers. Like, if you're, your dad probably worked in, like, tech in some capacity, like, if you played video games in the 70s, it was so, like, not the cool thing, you know? And now everybody's playing the video games. The marketing showed families playing
0: it. There were family game consoles. Nah, it wasn't the reality, though. Uh, I remember I did see this one thing. It wasn't so much a console as it was, like, a a film you put over your tv
2: oh yeah yeah and then you would you would play
0: like within that kind of weird thing very strange
2: yeah like the light boxes like the registering light boxes yeah you know looking looking at those
0: old atari games it's like those are hardly games (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a bunch of like colored lights on the screen and that's it Uh, i mean when you think about it that's what video games still are it's just colored lights no but i know but like like, if you if you showed me an atari (laughs) game i'm
2: like I don't know what this is, man.
0: And like, it's it's always, you can't,
2: you can't ever look at stuff like that in retrospective though. You have to compare it relative to the time. Right. Yeah. And like the fact that it was something on the screen that you could interact with was like the mind blowing part. Like that was insane. Like you would have to go to like arcades weren't really a much of a thing in the seventies. I don't think it's more the eighties. So like the fact that you could, um, have a controller in your hand and hit buttons and move a stick. Even if it was like one stick and two buttons. But the fact that it moved a block around your screen, like in real time, and you'd hit a button and then like another little block would shoot out of that block and hit another block and that block would explode. It's like, what? Or even probably just disappear, really, at that time. But just like Pong as well, like playing Pong in real time on your own home TV. It's All uh, All right.
0: Let's, let's get into some NFTs, all right? We'll all buy an NFT right
2: now. Which
1: one?
0: I don't know. I don't know
2: how to. <laughs>
1: okay. Which one? Yeah. <laughs> great,
2: great pitch, amazing product. And for that reason, I'm out. Okay. Uh,
0: GTA and EA executives are big believers in NFTs. This is from GameSpot. So the head of uh, GTA parent company, Take Two, has shared his thoughts on two of the most buzzwordly topics in technology right now the metaverse and NFTs. Uh, speaking to GI.biz, Strauss Zelnick said the metaverse is already here, with GTA Online being a good example of it. Well, he said he is a big believer in NFTs and how they could shake things up in the gaming world. EA's CEO, Andrew Wilson, also recently touched on the subject of NFTs. Uh, starting, with, uh, starting with the metaverse, Zelnick said he's skeptical, skeptical about the metaverse as uh, if it's defined as everything we do in the world physically will become digital. Zelnick observed that the pandemic has led people more and more to digital worlds. And now they want to get back out and explore the real physical world. And that's why he doesn't buy into the metaverse as an all-encompassing, ready-player-one-like experience. Uh, So let's just talk about the metaverse for a bit. Um, We talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, It's a super new kind of... I don't even think they want to call them games. I remember in the uh, Apple v. Epic trial, Epic was like hesitant to call Fortnite a game. They kind of wanted (laughs) to call it a metaverse.
2: It's an experience. It's a that's living world.
0: Basically, what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: it's a game.
1: That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's nonsense. <laughs> it's yeah. a video. Yeah, that's game. nonsense.
0: But they're trying to make it into a metaverse. They got the concerts going, they got game trailers. Jeff Keighley showing up. JJ Abrams was there. We all had lightsaber battles.
1: That was cool <laughs> as fuck,
0: actually. That, that lightsaber thing was cool as shit. Yeah. Uh, you got all these characters showing up. Ariana Grande was in there. Um, so, how, what's your guys' current take on on metaverses? Are we too old for that now? Is this going to be where we're like we don't want to play metaverses? We want to play old fashioned games with story and How do you guys feel about metaverse?
2: I I wonder what the what the line like the age will be where on average where the line is drawn where we're now like the like gaming boomers where mm-hmm. we we want it we like it the way we have it and that's how it's always gonna be yeah. like we don't need this newfangled blah, blah like whatever right. Uh, to, like, to its credit, to be fair, like, you say what you will about Fortnite, but the fact that they're trying to do stuff like that that's just different, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about the old days with, like, Nintendo and Sega just, like, trying weird shit. Yeah. And seeing what it's sticks. Big time. Like, like props, props at them for just trying something different, you know? Like, sure, it might seem kind of like, oh, you know, I'm too boomer for that kind of thing, <laughs> but, like... At least they're trying, you know, they're not just going with the formula, sticking to what has worked for the last 10, 15 years and just keep plucking away at that, try to make the technology better and do new things in games. But in the same way, like, yeah, try different experiences, try to present the the content in a different way, try to have it interactive in a different way. Like, yeah, like it, it makes sense that this would be the next like progression and I mean, it's it's really the 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 source of or like the, the central theme around a lot of like, you know, kind of retro sci-fi futurism, uh, you know, um, dystopian world where the real world's shit, so everyone goes into the digital world to escape, kind of thing. Like very very Ready Player One, mm-hmm. as I've already like compared, but um, I think it's gonna be a really long time before it's that point. Where there is this also, like... Because, well, I guess you could even argue, in a sense, we already have that point because of social media. Mm -hmm. Where, like, everybody has their online self and then their real-world self. Um, And, like, even young, young, young kids have their, like, online equivalent. So, you could argue that we're already in it. But to have that, like... Basically real world equivalent of like being able to log into the internet with your like persona and go like the way that they present browsing the internet in like like first season of Futurama or they like plug themselves in and then it's like a digital version of themselves walking around like a virtual street where there's all these storefronts and going into chat rooms and playing games together and stuff like that. Like that point's probably... A while away, probably not as not as far away as I think it is, but. We'll we'll probably get there in some capacity. In the relatively new future, I don't know if I will ever fully subscribe to it, though. Uh, Give me a Star Wars or 1970s metaverse and I am all in. I mean, there's always going to be that uh, never see me again, right? There's going to be no matter what niche possible thing you could think of it's going to exist because it already does in some capacity on the internet right like you could be a fan of like the most niche interest and there will be a community of people there who have already set it up yeah Mm -hmm.
1: i think i don't know i i i really like the idea of metaverse i think we mentioned this last week and and this week i saw some nfts like for sale of player homes where they were a few hundred dollars and it's like hey this metaverse is being made this metaverse game is being made or whatever and you know, you could buy this NFT of this player home and then if I understand this correctly and I might not, you'll have this player home and it's a unique player home. You're the only one that can have this type of player home and you'll live on, you know, whatever street like you'll live in this thing. And, and I, I like the idea of that to an extent because it like I, I don't mind the idea of um, like playing a game and then like having real progress there. Like, one of the things that I like or that I like the idea of but don't like the practice of in those base-building games on cell phones is that I like the idea of having something in my pocket that I'm working on, you know, year over year, and I can see the progress over years. But like regular video games, just like my complaints with Odyssey, I get too stuck up in the monotony, and I just want to progress, and I'm not willing to pay the hundreds or thousands of dollars it is to progress normally – but well, when you're talking about these these potential metaverses, because obviously there's going to be multiple versions of this, and God knows whether it'll stick around. But these metaverses where people are actually buying like real world things for cryptocurrencies, which can be converted for real dollars, just like sort of like how ISK and Eve Online can be converted to U.S. dollars, or at least it could a number of years ago. I don't know what the status of that is. But what's it's interesting to me that you know you could have people literally like right now we have people like I mean. Like, you can be on Twitch and make money. It'd be cool to be in a game and potentially make money. If you're down on your luck and you can't find a, like, a quote-unquote real job, meaning, like, an in-person job, like, in the real world, you could potentially open up, like, a fancy place that's cool in the virtual world and make money that way. Like, it it opens the – it opens up things so differently. Like, uh, like, in this story that we're talking about, GTA, you know, GTA – uh, one of our buddies like moved away for work and uh, like Nate, you guys know him. And like he, I remember like the first time we went, I hopped online with him after he moved away, got his internet all set up and all that. I like met in his apartment in GTA and I was like, what the fuck? Like this just feels so like, you know, virtual, but it's cool. Like, Hey, we're hanging out, whatever. And that's, that's what Fallout 76 is for us. A lot of the time we're hanging out on each other's camps. 90% of the time, or maybe not 90% cause I, I kind of go a little hard in that game, but like a lot 90% of this. 90 for Marty yeah 90% for Marty especially (laughs) but like a fair bit of the time we're just hanging around in people's camps or we're just chatting about movies and we're just like sitting in each other's living rooms and are in each other's camps or like checking out what Laura's building and stuff like this imagine if you could spend time there and earn a little bit of crypto or have something that's truly unique and build something that's super cool that you could convert to an NFT and then sell to somebody else and you could use your skills in the digital world as that also I really like the idea of before of accessibility if we get to the point of Ready Player One, because I believe Ready Player One doesn't have you move, right? You just put on a headset and then you are just like, as long as your headset works, like you don't have to like go in a suit or like on a treadmill to walk and stuff. You know what I mean? It's not like a VR yeah. today. It's like your head just moves and then you move in the game, I guess, like your thoughts move. Um, Like that's a huge step forward. Like if you can imagine like being like very old, the like the retirement home experience is going to be completely different. Like really, it's going to be completely different. It's going to be like, oh, well, like, I'll just go to the metaverse and I'll, I'll run my own shop. Fuck it. Like, it'll be like, in my opinion, that's where things are going is because think about the amount of digital assets. If we don't even think about like, forget crypto, forget all that stuff, right? We don't like get out of that. zeitgeist. like, guys, think about the amount of digital assets That we have worked hundreds of hours for getting platinum trophies, working toward hard achievements, trying to beat something, trying to get trying to beat something to get a very special item to show off to our friends, trying to level that character up, trying to get that check mark, trying to, you know, all these these hundreds of hours. Those are digital assets. And if we can actually assign a value to that stuff, like I think this stuff is this stuff is this is huge. It could all collapse, of course. Could it all be, you know, regulated to crap? Sure. Could it get banned? Absolutely. But in terms of like the precipice of like state, like beyond state of the art, like where things could go, like this is. This is like the cutting edge. And so companies got to start looking at this and I'm excited for it. Like I want to try this shit out because it, it, it'd be cool as hell to like try this out. And if COVID taught us anything, people are in Zoom calls all the damn time. Imagine just hanging out in each other's apartments. You have, an, you have your own, like you can scan your own apartment in. Like if you all went to someone's house all the time to hang out, you somehow scan that house into this. Uh, metaverse and now you can all just hang out in the same house like who cares it now this is assuming we all have you know perfect vr and this and that so it's a number of years away but it's still stuff that we have to look at today right because we have to look at it today in order to get it to work tomorrow and i think that this is like a huge this is the next thing i think and usually i'm not very excited about the next thing like when people are like cloud computing i was like yeah okay like it's just computing in a different space like yes it's cool this and that but I'm in college right now. It doesn't really apply to me. Like I'm not going to be suddenly doing cloud computing myself. I'm not going to open up my own data center or something. But like this is something that's like really cool, and I like we can kind of watch it and be like a part of it. Like we can buy NFTs today and stuff. So well, it, that that's my opinion on it.
0: Let, let's talk about NFTs too, because he also touched on NFTs, uh, which are non fungible
1: tokens. Non fungible or something? Yeah, I don't know the.
0: Um, and what, what Zelnick had to say about NFTs is, if you believe in collectible physical goods, I don't know why you wouldn't believe in collectible digital goods. And blockchain authorization is what an NFT really is. Is one way, not the only way, to authenticate the fact something is singular is rare. Yeah. So it's basically giving a, a value to a digital good. Because right now you can make an infinite copy and there's no way to tell which one is the original, right? And everyone could just have essentially what is unidentifiably the original <laughs> copy, right? This gives you like ownership over it, I guess, in some form.
1: The way I think of this, too, like the way I think of this in, in terms of like connecting it to the real world or, the, or how we game today, I should say, is, you know how when you're playing an RPG, specifically, let's say an MMO or a shared world one, so a multiplayer one, and it's l- sort of like if you get to the top of the mountain and you kill this big creature, you get this very unique item. There's one of a kind. But in reality, we all get up there. You know, we all spend a hundred hours grinding to level up. We all get up there. We all kill the creature. And we all get this ancient sword or something. With NFTs, if what it, with this, like what these games really could be is everyone who goes up there gets a unique artifact. And when you have a player home, you can display that unique artifact. Now here's the thing, people will be like, yeah, but that's just like a JPEG or that's just like a picture that's just a 3D object because it's in this MMO, right? Who cares? Well, people spend hundreds of hours grinding the character to get up the mountain, to kill the guy, to get the thing, or they work together with friends. People care. People are investing their time. People are investing their money if it's a free-to-play game and they may be paid for more experience or more items or whatever. People will pay for this. So you get these really super, super, super unique items in your home. People will come looking for you. And there's going to be people that are going to be like the collectors of like curious items online where their player homes are just these big, vast museums of like, holy fuck, I remember playing that game 10 years ago. That's from Fallout 76. Jesus, like, look at that. I'll buy that because that, you know, what I mean, like we're going to be so connected to digital, which we already are, but we're going to be so connected to digital in the future mm-hmm. that, in my opinion, like it it does make sense to have digital collectibles. It feels a little bit weird. Like, Ryan, like you and I had like discussed the other night that even on this podcast, we've, you know, we've had people switch flip flop and switch or even just have the discussion in general of whether we should have physical games or digital. Now, most of us, for the most part, not all of us, but for the most part, we're, we're digital or, or, or in between, you know, a little digital, a little bit not whatever. Right. And so mm-hmm. like already we're, we're, we have digital assets and we could like, not we we literally can't do this due to software or maybe some licenses, but like theoretically we could if we're just done with GTA Five if we're just done with a game you could quote unquote sell that right if you were allowed to yeah. license wise you could sell that. Now imagine if your game your uh, your asset was unique. There's gonna be people that want those things, and it's gonna like people are just saying oh they're just JPEGs they're just this and they're just that in its infancy yes. But if I have a Metaverse house in the Facebook Metaverse, I don't know, whatever, the Facebook Metaverse, and I buy an NFT and I put that on my wall, that's the one and only picture. It's sort of like to think about it like you can buy more than likely a reproduction of the Mona Lisa, but the museum or the collector that currently owns the Mona Lisa, that's the Mona Lisa. Your reproduction is not the Mona Lisa. No one's going to come to your house and offer you, you know, a million or whatever it is for the Mona Lisa. But to that collector, they're going to offer you that because there's proof in the tangible thing they, they, you know, they can look at the paint and the frame or whatever it is, and they can confirm, yes, this is the Mona Lisa. The blockchain is that confirmation. It allows them to look at it and go, holy fuck. Yeah, he does own this. Like, this is his. Can I buy this? So <clears throat> that's my thoughts.
0: Yeah, I think I do think NFTs are something that games could definitely take advantage of. Um, and we're already seeing what, three publishers now looking into this Um, and there's probably more uh, that we don't even know about Um,
1: they'll they'll, they'll take the fees probably I'm hoping
0: Microsoft and and PlayStation are looking into this as well and uh, Nintendo will get around to it in 10 years
1: you know Nintendo Nintendo, it's hit and miss with them right because people might take like Mario (laughs) or whatever and like change the picture of him and they won't Mm -hmm. like that but at the same time, they'll they love the fees that they'll get for selling it, let's say. Because maybe, yeah. they'll, maybe they'll sell the NFTs on a centralized exchange specifically. Then yeah. they control it and then it goes in the blockchain or yada yada, whatever. I'm new to this. And then like, so they might, it, with with Nintendo, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like they don't want people to be messing around with their, their licenses. So maybe they want to control it. But the more NFTs out there, the more... They get paid potentially, right. you know.
0: But they could make the NFTs. They could supply the NFTs for Nintendo games. That's a they good And just, just not have any, any user generated NFTs.
1: That's a good point. Yes.
0: Yeah. So Amiibos can now become digital NFTs.
1: And you can have limited, like limited ones too. Like people yeah. sell NFTs yeah. that are tickets to events. It'd be just be like, mm-hmm. hey, we have hundred. I don't know, Meta Night NFTs or whatever. Here you go.
0: Uh, all right, let's move on to our final game. Uh, Marvel's Avengers has failed to live up to expectations. This <laughs> um, is a little sad. Uh, this is from GameSpot. Uh, so, Square Enix's president has uh, commented on Marvel's Avengers, saying the game was not as successful as the company wanted it to be for a variety of reasons. Uh, that being said, the company said it will continue to develop games-as-a-service titles, uh, though it will seemingly be more discerning in selecting the right studio for the right project. This was a bit weird, because they, they chose Crystal Dynamics to make a games as a service and as far as I know Crystal Dynamics has never made a games as a service uh, or at least hasn't made it since they've been making the Tomb Raider for quite a while right so why they chose them is, is a bit curious but uh, but I think this this kind of just shows you the I guess the risk slash reward of games as a service because they're obviously a lot to develop They need constant updates, right? They need support after they get released. And that's all going to cost money. And if you have an Avengers type situation, it's like the only way to even try to get that game back on track is to spend more money on it, you know, and hope that people somehow come back to it. But Matt, you have thoughts on on Avengers, right?
1: (sighs) Yeah, this is, uh, we were talking about this the other night. Avengers is probably the weirdest game I've ever played um in that it like it misses the mark so hard and then doubled down on missing that mark with the Wakanda <laughs> DLC that that's like that's that was the nail in the coffin in terms of earning the title most likely the weirdest game i've ever played it it's one of these games where here's like five currencies which are actually different like crafting material in an avengers game so it's like okay and then it's like here's a very confusing Um, you know, string of missions in which for some reason Marty couldn't join us, then I couldn't join you, and then Marty couldn't change change heroes. So there's like limitations on the missions sometimes, but not always, that aren't super clear. And then there's like weird glitchy things where – I got, like, kicked out of the, like, you know, complete five levels thing, the one event that was happening before Wakanda came out. I got, like, kicked out of that, and I was able to continue the one time, but then I got kicked out again, and it didn't let me continue. So then I tried it again, got to, like, the second or third of five, got kicked out again, and then it didn't let me continue, maybe restart again. So it's like, is this a bug? Is this, like, whatever? And then Wakanda DLC comes out with Black Panther, and, like, I'm a huge Christopher Judge fan. So it's like, oh, cool. And like, I'll always like the look of the Wakanda tech, the vibranium tech. So I'm like, oh, cool. Like, I'll like get into this. So we all do. And then a a significant portion of the campaign is not multiplayer for some reason in an Avengers game. And then the campaign is like rather short, especially on the co-op end. And then for some reason, the first two characters, which was before Wakanda, were like, basically the same characters which i'm fine with having them both there but if they were aiming which i assume they were at changing up the gameplay they probably should have spaced hawkeye and kate bishop out have like a i guess character <laughs> yeah, between sure. and then now like spider man's coming out at the end of this month and there's like an event around him so maybe like maybe a mission or two but i don't think it's like a wakanda level thing so i don't think it has like that much story and it's sort of like this game is so strange in that it failed for what was what should be, I would assume, seemingly obvious reasons. Who's ever faulted is, I don't know whether it's the corporate thing, too many hands in the in the pot or whatever. I don't know. And then it just like doubled down with the Wakanda stuff where it's like, let's add corrupted vibranium. It's like, hang on. I don't know if people liked having, you know, five or six <laughs> crafting materials in the first place. And now we're after another one. Like, what's going on here?
2: Yeah. <laughs> I I just looked up Avengers and microtransactions on Google. I <laughs> found 3 articles in a row. First one June 10th, 2019 from Game Revolution. Marvel's Avengers won't have loot boxes or microtransactions. Next article June 14th, 2019 from Keen Gamer. Marvel's Avengers will have microtransactions but they won't affect gameplay. <laughs> And then, <laughs> October 8th of 2021, Forbes.com, Marvel's Adventures is now selling pay-to-win items after saying they <laughs> wouldn't. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Which they're now removing. I was going to say, yeah, say, remember when they said they wouldn't uh, do microtransactions and then they and did And then it they fucking immediately? did immediately. Uh... <sighs> yeah, that's like... If there, was, if there was a dartboard on the wall in their office that was like all of the things not to do with their game <laughs> to make it really bad in the public eye and for the game success and stuff like that. And they just started throwing darts randomly at the wall. <laughs> they somehow managed to miss the wall entirely and only hit every wedge on that dartboard. <laughs> it's It's mind boggling, actually. Um, and you know what the worst part about it is, is that people didn't really get that upset over it. I think like for the most part, people were just like, yeah, okay. And they stopped playing the game or like they kept playing the game and they just paid anyway. And it's like, you're just showing that these companies don't have to have any integrity at all. And they'll still make bank. Well,
0: it's hard to say whether they made money or not. I imagine this game you know, was pretty pricey.
2: I'm sure that, that after all is said and done, this game was just. After everything, a complete failure, like financially and just like for the shareholders and for the people that worked on it, for the, the goals they might have had in mind or like what lofty ambitions they may have had, hoping that maybe this would like turn into a thing that will have sequels and stuff like that. That's not happening. This was a massive failure. Um, The the fan base is pissed off over it. You know, I'm sure like no nobody's happy. It was a (laughs) lose lose situation all
1: around for this game. Yeah. (laughs) This is what's great is is that like I'm surprised that of some of the updates that they must have pitched and then got approved. Like again, it could just be too many cooks in the kitchen, and and so like it's just chaos. And they're like, "Fuck it, just put out what you, what you did before, but for Wakanda, you know, in the setting of Wakanda, just do the same shit." Um, yeah. But like, they're like, "Come on, like fucking Avengers running around looking for Polycrons and fucking Nanites and schematics or whatever the fuck they are, or shards or whatever." And it's like, what the hell's going on here? Like the the corrupted vibranium is fine, but not added to the like five or six other things. Fucking Polycrons. You know, I- I wonder if that
0: was a problem, too. Now, I don't like the gameplay, but also just in terms of of advancing your character, you didn't feel like you really were doing anything because if you take the Division, for example, you know, you ha- there was different weapons and stuff you can get. In Avengers, it's just like, here's like a vest, but it doesn't actually do anything to you visually or it's hard to tell that it's <laughs> yeah. done every- anything different to you. And I uh, hope you like it. It's really rare, but then you're like, I don't... I don't know, this doesn't this doesn't change the way I'm interacting with the game. And so I don't feel re- rewarded for getting that item. Right. And you just feel like you're mindlessly just beating robots.
2: You know, I feel like I feel like we talked about this game a lot, but and I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Like I, the thing I find most impressive about this game is that they took like the one thing that universally pretty well everyone can agree is just fun is a video game about superheroes and made it
1: not that (laughs) yeah oh man ultimate alliance 3 like i hear i mean mostly from marty though not not from like the press but i hear you know that marty always says like we should have just did ultimate alliance 3 like we could instead of us spending the same amount of money on on Avengers, we should have just did Ultimate Alliance. And there's some bullshit levels because he watched a series of videos. He's like, "There's some bullshit levels where it's just like you know, stupidly hard or something." But the game is fun, and there's like cool comic characters, and there's a huge slew of people you can play as. And you know, there were Isn't that a updates. Switch exclusive. That's a Switch exclusive. Yeah,
2: yeah. So weird. I remember playing the the second one on like a demo disc with my Xbox 360. Oh yeah, I like the first like three levels or something.
1: I had the first one on on PS3 and it was pretty fun. And like I could definitely I, I got bored cuz I wasn't playing it with anyone. Um but like I could definitely see especially with the iterations on that. I could definitely see that game being super fun cuz like you could choose whoever the fuck you want. You could like not maybe not literally everyone cuz I know there's a lot of Marvel characters, but more than what I could recognize. Like everyone that I would recognize in the Marvel universe was in there plus some. So like you could be like I'm like I'm going to be Spider-Man. This guy's going to be, you know, X-Men and this person's going to be, you know, whoever and it's just like this mashup of like, OK, cool. Like, let's just run in there and beat people up like Avengers or like <laughs> Marvel. Let's go beat up some bad guys. Like, who cares?
0: Yeah. Oh, fuck. Same. All right. That's all the stories we got for you. Uh, best of luck to Avengers. Um, and uh, Tim, you're on the Twitch
2: uh, yeah, I was going to say, why, why do we keep ending these episodes on such like a negative note? Oh. The last three have just been sad. I'll, I'll try to.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll try to switch up the un- unhappy
2: story next week <laughs> to end on uh, something a little more uplifting. But you know what is uplifting is Twitch.tv slash the sidetrack. We play uh, Ooh, yeah. lots of fun games and have a good time. Yeah. How's that for a for a yeah. segue for you? <laughs> All right. And, and the, we also on Wednesday nights as well.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess we'll be doing more Back from Blood. We're trying to get through right. it on I mean, Second I'm... Difficulty, I think, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm having fun with it. So, twitch.tv slash Damod Patch Media. Wednesdays at 8.30 Eastern. In yeah. the PM.
1: And that game is fucking hard on the Second Difficulty. So, get ready to watch us die. <laughs> A whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> it feels fair, though, you know, with what we got. It feels fair.
0: We'll see you guys next time.
1: Peace!